Well, good morning, friends. Here we are once again. It's been a little while since I was recording a sermon from home, um, not doing it for COVID reasons this morning, but with, with all the storms in the area and the potential for flooding, lots of warnings we were seeing. We just wanted to be on the safe side, encourage you guys to stay home, be careful, um, praying and believing that y'all are safe today. Let's be praying over our community and different people that might be facing challenges because of the flooding. So we love you guys. Um, we're eager to see each other again face-to-face -face soon, but I'm grateful for technology that we can at least spend a little time together in God's Word today. So love you, friends. I've got a couple quick announcements about this coming weekend, and then we'll jump right into today's sermon, okay? So this coming weekend, we're moving towards Easter weekend. On Friday, we are going to do a Good Friday night of worship and reflection at 7 p.m. at the school. So mark your calendar. Come out to the school on Friday at 7. We'll have a one-hour service. Um, we're going to reflect on the words of Jesus from the cross. Even in his death, he was communicating with the words that he spoke, the love of God in his heart towards you and towards me. And so we're going to take some time and reflect upon the sacrificial love of Jesus on Friday night. Then our plan is to gather on Sunday morning. So Friday's 7 p.m. Sunday morning at 7 a.m. We're going to meet at the Cove, uh, which is a part of Concord Park. We're going to be right on the river's edge and have a sunrise service. Okay, so we're very excited about that. It's a bring your own blanket, bring your own chairs. Um, kind of situation. We will have some hot coffee and hot tea out there to help us stay a little warm. Um, some Easter baskets for the kids. We're really looking forward to gathering and worship um, and celebrating our risen Savior Jesus. Now, we're going to watch the weather during the week and we will make a final decision on Friday about our Sunday morning gathering. And so if there's some potential of rain and we're worried about that, we will shift gears and meet at the school instead at our normal 10 o'clock start time, okay? So keep your eyes open on Friday to see a final update about Easter Sunday morning. But our hope and prayer is that we'll gather by the river, worship our risen Savior Jesus, have a sunrise celebration. So 7 p.m. on Friday, 7 a.m. on Sunday, we look forward to worshiping and celebrating our Savior Jesus together. All right, well, let's, let's go ahead and pray and prepare our hearts. Um, you know, it's, it's interesting, like with the ominous weather today on a Palm Sunday, you know, which is kind of springtime celebration. It's a joyful Sunday. And yet the message I already had prepared this morning fits a little bit more with the ominous weather. And so we're going to be talking about Jesus' call to you to me, to his followers, to be ready. That's the focus of our day, be ready. And so we're going to talk about being ready for Jesus' return. We're going to talk about the importance of being ready during Jesus' delay. Now, he's not really delaying, but it can feel like a delay to you and me as we're navigating through life. And so how can we be ready for Jesus' return, be ready for Jesus' delay, and ultimately, he calls us to be ready for his current activity, what he's up to right now. And so that's where we're heading this morning. 
So let's pray, let's prepare our hearts, and then we'll dive into God's Word together. Father, we love you, we worship you. Lord, even though we can't gather in person this morning, God, we knit our hearts together in community. God, we knit our hearts together with you. Lord, we invite you to come right now, invade our spaces, come into our living rooms, be with us, maybe even later this week if we're listening to this sermon, driving in our car, mowing our grass, on a walk. Lord, would you meet us right here, right now, and speak to our hearts. Jesus, would you make this word from you that you spoke 2,000 years ago to your disciples, would you make it real and alive in our hearts today? Help us to hear your message. Help us to recognize your presence. And Lord, help us be ready to live responsive lives to you and to your kingdom activity. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. So I mentioned earlier that this is Palm Sunday. And typically what we're celebrating on Palm Sunday is a joyful response to Jesus coming into Jerusalem. It's one week before his death, burial, and resurrection. And he rides into town on a donkey. And there is a party. There's a celebration. People are worshiping him. They're crying out for their Savior. They're laying their clothes on the ground for the donkey to walk upon. They're waving palm branches. It's a very joyful, celebratory mood. However, that is not Jesus' reaction to the moment. It was some of the people's reaction. But Jesus was a little bit more somber because he was aware that the very city that he loved, the people that he came to save, most of them did not recognize what he was up to. And they were missing completely the good news of their Savior coming to them. And so check out these words that Luke records in his gospel. This is Luke 19, verses 41 through 44. As Jesus is drawing near on Palm Sunday to the city of Jerusalem, people are getting ready to celebrate him. This is Jesus' reaction. Luke 19, 41. And when he drew near and saw the city, he wept over it, saying, Would that you, even you, had known on this day the things that make for your peace. But now they are hidden from your eyes. For the days will come upon you when your enemies will set up a barricade around you and surround you and hem you in on every side and tear you down to the ground, you and your children within you. And they will not leave one stone upon another in you because, and this is the key part, guys, because you did not know the time of your visitation. See, Jesus' heart was breaking because the city of Jerusalem, the people he came to save, they missed his arrival, his visitation in their life, and he was heartbroken over that. Now, why is that significant to us today? Because we are aware that he did come riding into town. And we know what's coming this week. We celebrate his sacrifice for us. We celebrate the defeat of death. We celebrate the eternal life that we have in Jesus because he rose from the grave. So, so why would we be somber like Jesus is somber? 
Listen, guys, I want to invite you in to Jesus' final week leading up to his death. See, even though he is going to face his death, his primary focus and his primary concern was warning those who were not his people and warning those who were his people, his dedicated followers, warning them for the days that were going to come after his death, warning them over the days and weeks and months and years that, listen, we now live in, in the final days of his life on this earth, preparing for his own death, he was more concerned about you and about me and about the days we are living in now. And so his message was, be ready. And so we're going to look at three primary ways that he told us to be ready as his followers. Okay. Um, So all of this is kind of found in Matthew's gospel, chapters 24 and 25. We get to look in on a conversation that Jesus had with his followers on the Mount of Olives. So he's just outside the city of Jerusalem. And his disciples have come to him. And so you can also, and we'll reference a little bit of of Mark 13 and Luke 21. Those gospels also record some of this conversation. So Matthew 24 and 25. And the way we're going to do this, friends, we're going to look at these three things Jesus tells us to be ready for. And we're going to do that by looking at three stories or parables that he told to get us ready. Okay, and so the first parable is found in Matthew 25, beginning in verse 1, where Jesus is telling us to be ready for his future return. All right, so here we go. Let's turn over to Matthew chapter 25. All right, I want to read this story to you, and then we'll talk about it briefly. Matthew 25, verse 1. Then the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. For when the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them, but the wise took flasks of oil with their lamps. As the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and slept. So so we have a wedding party, all right? And so these virgins, they're a part of the wedding party and, and they're waiting for the moment of celebration when the groom shows up and it's, it's time to celebrate together. And so they had to be prepared because they didn't know exactly when he was coming. And so um, maybe he's going to come in the evening, at night, when it's dark. And so they want to be ready, whatever the circumstances. So they have lamps and they have oil. But Jesus makes it really clear, half of them had more than enough oil. They had reserves of oil so that they could be ready to be patient and wait, and they would be ready to respond when the groom arrives. The other five didn't plan ahead like that. They didn't have the oil that would last them through their time of waiting. And so notice all of them get get drowsy and fall asleep. Just in the waiting, in the delay, they get tired. And so then, verse 6, But at midnight there was a cry, Here is the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all those virgins rose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. 
But the wise answered, saying, Since there will not be enough for us and for you, go rather to the dealers and buy for yourselves. And while they were going to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast, and the door was shut. Afterward, the other virgins came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered, Truly I say to you, I do not know you. Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. So, so Jesus' message here through this story is to tell us that we need to be ready for his return. And, and notice in the story, part of what he's communicating to us is it's going to feel like it's taking him too long. And all of us could even be prone to kind of fall asleep, you know, to feel like he's delaying and sort of lose sight of, of that eager anticipation for him to come. But the primary thing he says here is he makes this point about the oil. Some had enough oil that would last and some did not. Friends, here's the first thing I want to encourage you as we await Christ's return. Friends, we cannot rely upon someone else's oil. There is no substitute for your own personal relationship with Jesus Christ. There's no substitute for His presence in our lives. And so we can't rely upon my parents' faith or my spouse's faith. I can't even rely upon like my friend circle, like here's the people I associate with. I'm in the right location. All of these virgins were together. What mattered is their own resource, their own oil. We can't even rely upon our own religion or denomination. You know, there's people that fall into the trap of, oh, I'm a Catholic, oh, I'm a Baptist, oh, I'm whatever, fill in the blank. And because I've associated myself with that group that I'm covered. Friends, there is no substitute for our own personal connection with God. Now listen, I, I don't want to get off on too far of a sidetrack here, but I, I do think it's important to note Jesus uses the imagery of oil, and throughout the scripture, you know, there's different examples in the Bible, different representations of the Holy Spirit. Um, the Holy Spirit's referred to, you know, as a dove, as an example. Well, one of the pictures of the Holy Spirit is oil. And oil always has to do with anointing, like oil would be put upon you as you stepped into a new way of life, maybe a new identity, maybe even a new role. So for example, you would anoint a king. Jesus even said about himself, the spirit of the Lord has anointed me for my purpose in, in this earth. And so anointing has to do with God's Spirit coming upon us. That's what the oil is about here. So friends, the question is, has the presence of God filled and permeated my life? The way I'm going to be ready for Jesus' eventual return is that the Spirit of God is present in my life here and now, that I'm, I'm filled with His presence in my life. And here's the beautiful thing about God's presence. If God is present in our lives, we don't have to worry about running out of oil. There's an awesome story found in the Old Testament. 
It's in 1 Kings chapter 17. And it's, it's about this famine season that's going on. In fact, three years of famine where there's no rain. And so there's very little water. There's very little food. People are struggling to survive. And during that famine, the prophet Elijah shows up into the life of a widow who has a young son and they're on their last legs. In fact, when he shows up in their life, they've got this little bit of oil and this little bit of flour. It's just enough to bake one last cake and eat their last meal. And they're prepared that they're now going to die. And Elijah shows up and he says, no, if you trust God, he'll provide. Would you cook me a cake? And then there will be enough left over. And this woman trusted God's word that he would bring provision. And she took care of his servant, Elijah. And the scripture tells us that for the next three years of famine, that little jar of oil never ran out. See, friends, when we talk about being prepared for Jesus' return, in one sense, there's a warning. Like, we have to decide for ourselves, have I given my life to Christ? Have I, have I invited and relied upon and accepted the presence of God into my life? I, I need to heed that warning that I need Him. But friends, I don't have to live in fear while I'm waiting for Christ's return. I can trust and believe that if I invite the presence of God into my life, that he'll give me oil that never runs out. And so in the most difficult season of famine, in the darkest night, he can still light my path and light my way. What encouraging news. And so friends, I want to give you one more little picture here found in this passage in Matthew about our need to be ready because, because we can miss this, okay? Jesus describes this season of time before his return. He likens it to the days of Noah, when many people were separated from God and going about their own way and missed the warning that Noah gave. And so we'll go back just a few verses into Matthew chapter 4 now and read verses 38 through 42. Here we go. For as were the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. So when Jesus is preparing to return, it'll be similar to the days of Noah. And then he describes even more. He says, verse 38, For as in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day when Noah entered the ark. And they were unaware until the flood came, and swept them all away. So will it be at the coming of the Son of Man. Then he goes on and describes our day and his future return and what it will be like. And he says, Then two men will be in the field. One will be taken and one left. Two women will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken and one left. Therefore, stay awake, for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. Friends, the, the message of the ten virgins and, and um, Jesus reminding us of the days of Noah, those are meant to get our attention that we would be ready and awake, looking with hope for Jesus' return. Let's get our relationship with the Lord right. Let's let him fill us with his presence, anoint us with his oil that doesn't run dry so that we might be found ready. 
Because Jesus tells us it is possible to miss him. It's possible to be wrapped up in just the cares of this life and miss it. And so friends, that moves us to our second point. Not only should we be ready for Christ's return, we need to be ready for Christ's delay. Now, he doesn't truly delay. God is going to show up right on time exactly when he means to. But friends, the the things happening around us in the world, it's going to feel to us like he's delaying. In fact, it can even feel to us like, is he even going to show up? Is Is this all wrong? Have we believed a lie? And so Jesus gives strong warning for us to be ready for that season of delay in our lives where it just feels like, God, where are you? And so that moves us into our second parable here. Jesus gives the picture in Matthew 24 of a fig tree. He tells us to pay attention to the lesson of the fig tree. So Matthew 24, verse 32. From the fig tree, learn its lesson. As soon as its branches become tender and puts out its leaves, you know that summer is near. So also, when you see all these things, you know that he is near at the very gate. So he, he tells us, look to the trees. You know, this is, this is something that's happening around us, like literally right now in nature. Um, trees are beginning to, to grow buds on them. Um, my wife's done a bunch of gardening. I've mentioned that recently. She's done some pruning and some trimming. We also live at a spot where behind our house, there's a lot of woods. And during the winter seasons, we can see through the woods pretty far because there's no leaves on the trees. But now when we look out, we can still see through the trees, but we're seeing signs of life. We're seeing buds all over on the ends of these branches. We're seeing new branches that have come out. And so we are looking at it even recently going, man, we're going to blink. And in like two weeks, it's going to be just full of green leaves. And we won't even be able to see past the first couple trees in those woods back there. Jesus says, in the same way, pay attention to what's happening during my delay and recognize it actually means I'm getting ready to return. Don't view those things as, as, um, don't view those things as I'm delaying, I'm not coming. Instead, recognize the signs for what they are. So what are the signs that he's getting ready to return? I want to give you a taste of this. But I want to encourage you, you could do some of your own reading on this. In fact, if you just read through Matthew chapter 24, go through the whole chapter, you'll see the tone that Jesus sets, what the atmosphere is going to be like in the world as he's getting ready to return. And it's going to feel like a delay. So let me give you a sense of this, all right? So Jesus' disciples come to him earlier in this chapter. They come to him in verses 3, and then moving into verse 4, Jesus responds to them. So, Matthew 24, verse 3. As Jesus sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately, saying, Tell us, when will these things be? What will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? So, they're saying, hey, we're eager for when you're going to return in power, in authority, when you're going to come rule and deal with all this stuff that's messed up and make everything right. You know, they're excited. They're eager. Jesus, tell us what that's going to be like. And so here's what Jesus says to them. Verse four, Jesus answered, see that no one leads you astray. 
He doesn't say, oh, get excited. It's going to be awesome. He says, guys, the first thing I have to say to you about what it's going to look like when I get ready to return is be careful that you don't wander off. Be careful that you don't get led astray. And then he goes through a list of things to warn them about. He says, be ready because there's going to be wars and there's going to be rumors of wars. There's going to be famines, pestilence, and earthquakes. So in other words, there's going to be violence on the earth. People are going to be fighting with each other, attacking with each other. You're going to see devastating things. You're going to have people that are just afraid of what's going to happen. So not just wars that are currently taking place, the rumors of them, fear. You're going to see famine. He's referencing like people are going to be in desperate need, hungry, starving, hurting. That's what's going to be happening. There's going to be pestilence. There's going to be disease in the land. There's going to be natural disasters. Things are going to look scary, sketchy. Then he goes on to say, and as my followers, you're going to suffer. There's going to be trials. There's going to be persecutions. Some of you will be put to death. And then he says, as these things begin to get bad around you, the love of many will grow cold. The love of many will grow cold. See, he's giving a warning, friends, to his followers. Yes, those who don't know Jesus are going to be in in bad shape. But friends, as followers of Jesus, he's saying, don't get off track. Don't be led astray. Be aware that things are going to get rough and watch out how you respond to them. And so what does he tell us? How are we going to make it through this? Matthew 24, verses 13 and 14. But the one who endures till the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. What are the two things that are going to happen? Despite his seeming delay, his heart is that his people would endure and that his people would share the good news to a world that needs to hear it. That's the deal, guys. During his delay, we need to be ready to hold on and endure. And friends, we got to speak up. We've got to share the good news of the kingdom of God because as much as we might be struggling with what we see happening around us, friends, those who don't know Jesus man, they're going to be in a desperate situation. Now, friends, this doesn't just look ahead to like a really small season or window of time, like right before Jesus returns. Friend, this this is the period that you and I are living in right now. These things are already happening. There already is violence in the world. There's already wars and rumors of wars. We're living through a pandemic right now. Listen, there, there's more of that that could come. Friends, we are in these types of circumstances. And the question is, is our love growing cold or are we holding on and enduring because Jesus prepared us for this? And are we seeing this as an opportunity to bring good news to a world in need? Because here's the reality. What the world is going to be hearing is the same thing you and I are going to be tempted with. There's one other thing Jesus made really, really clear that is going to be a danger during his delay, and that is the primary warning about false Christs, false Christs. 
See, he mentions that nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. That's not just about people fighting with each other. That's about where your allegiance lies. That's about um, what ideology do you hold on to. And so different individual rulers, different ways of thinking how the world should work, different ways of thinking about how people should respond to the world around them. All these ideas are going to rise up and they're going to emerge and they're going to be at war with each other. And people, including followers of Jesus, will have the temptation to be drawn to invest their attention, to invest their hope in things that are not Christ. Check out this warning, Matthew 24 verses 23 through 25. Let's see, one page over here. 24, verses 23 through 25. Here we go. Then, if anyone says to you, look, here is the Christ, or there he is, do not believe it. For false Christs and false prophets will arise. They'll perform great signs and wonders, so as to lead astray, if possible, even the elect. See, I have told you beforehand. Jesus gives us this prior warning because friends, when it seems like he's delaying, when it seems like things are getting hard around us, there are going to be other alternatives out there that feel compelling, that would try to draw us or invite us to turn away from him. Friends, I just have to tell you, this kind of stuff already happens. It's been heartbreaking to me over the years, but guys, even within the last year, like, like I want to be careful, I'm not referencing any one person or individual, but friends, I have seen this within the last year of my life, followers of Jesus who, because of their own personal struggles, challenges, disappointments, or their frustrations with what's happening in the world around us, get drawn away from Christ. Their love grows cold for him. They get drawn away and they even begin to look to other places for hope, for healing, for purpose, for answers. Friends, we've got to be ready. This is Jesus' warning. He's saying, I know it's going to seem like I'm delaying. And I know it's going to seem like things are awful around you. But I'm up to something. And there is hope. And I am going to come back just like I promised and I'm going to right the wrongs. And so you, guard your own heart, endure, recognize these seasons are coming, and protect your love relationship with me so it doesn't grow cold. And then, as you endure, share the gospel, share the good news. Be ready to tell people that in spite of all these other kingdoms that are warring with each other, and nations that are fighting with each other, all these problems that you see, all these potential solutions that are being offered out there, that there is a way that is right, that there is a God who is real and he's alive and he's coming back for us and his kingdom is the way. And so let's hold on to that for ourselves and let's share that with a world in need. See, he tells us we're not going to miss his return. We don't need to live in fear that somehow we're going to blink and we've missed it. If we're ready for him, if we're waiting for him and watching, we'll see it. Look, he tells us what it's going to be like. Verses 26 through 30 now, same passage, Matthew 24. 
verses 26 through 30. So if they say to you, look, he is in the wilderness, do not go out. If they say, look, he is in the, in the inner rooms, do not believe it. For as the lightning comes from the east and shines as far as the west, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. Wherever the corpse is, there the vultures will gather. Immediately after the tribulation of those days, so all these hard times, things are going to get even scarier. The sun will be darkened. The moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from heaven and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then will appear in heaven the sign of the Son of Man. And then all the tribes of the earth will mourn and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. Friends, when Jesus shows up, there will be no mistaking it. Just when it seems like it's as worse as it could possibly be, when the earth itself is shaking and seems like it's about to be destroyed, Jesus will show up as clear as can be in the clouds of heaven in all his power and all of his glory to redeem the earth and to call us to himself. Friends, we're not going to miss Jesus' return. Let's be ready. And let's warn other people so that they will not be those who are mourning when he shows up because they're finally realizing they missed his visitation. They missed the moment when he showed up in their lives. Let's do our part to hold on and endure and to bring hope. See, when things get crazy, I love the way Luke describes this, and then we'll move to our third and final point. Luke, in describing the same scene that Jesus is talking about, in his gospel, he adds a couple of things that Jesus says here. When all of this is, is happening and it's getting as scary as it's going to be, do this instead. Luke 24, or sorry, Luke 21, um, verse 28, and I'm going to read uh, verses 34 through 36. He says, Now, when these things begin to take place, straighten up and raise your heads because your redemption is drawing near. So watch yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness and cares of this life, that that day come upon you suddenly like a trap. For it will come upon all who, who dwell on the face of the whole earth. But stay awake at all times, praying that you might have strength to escape all these things that are going to take place and to stand before the Son of Man. What's, what's Luke talking about here? What's Jesus saying as he prepares us for this time of his delay, the times we're living in right now? He says, pray for strong backs and for clear eyes. Pray for strong backs and clear eyes that we could stand firm when everything else around us is shaking because we know this means our redemption is coming. Jesus is getting ready to show up. Friends, this is what Jesus' heart for us is, that we would be ready for his return, that we would be ready to endure during his delay. And then finally, friends, the last, things I want to, last thing I want to encourage you with is this. Jesus invites us to be ready for his current activity. Be ready for what he is up to in our midst. This is the warning he gives in that regard back to Matthew's gospel, verse, uh, chapter 24 again. Matthew 24, verses 44 
and 46. Therefore, you also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Who then is the faithful and wise servant, whom his master has set over his household to give them their food at the proper time? Blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. What's he saying? Friends, in in the midst of this waiting and wanting to be ready when he shows up, he says, here's what I'm really inviting you to do. I have called you to be stewards over my kingdom. I've called you to be servants. And what's your job? Feed my household. Your job is to feed my household. I've given you a responsibility. I've given you an area of influence. People that are right there in your life. And I'm looking for people who are going to be faithful servants, taking care of those around them so that when I come, I find you stewarding well what I've been giving you. See, this is what the parable of the talents is all about. This is our last parable this morning. I'm going to read just a couple bits of this. But Jesus moves right in to Matthew chapter 25 now, and he tells the parable of the ten virgins, and then he comes to this parable of the talents. We're going to pick this up in Matthew chapter 25, verse 14. He says, For it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. Friends, that's the situation we're in. God has given us something special and unique. He's given us um, ourselves, how he's made us to be, our our talents, our giftings that the Holy Spirit gives us, um, skills that we've acquired. Um, our education, things that we've learned, our personality, our area of influence. He's given us um, the place that we live in, the people that we know, the friends and family that we have, the coworkers that we have. He's, He's given us this area of influence. He's given us resource, financial resource. He's given us the days in which we live. He's given us time. See, these are all the different things, the resources, the talents, that the master has given to us, his servants. And he wants us to steward those things well, to to use those talents and abilities for his kingdom purposes right now. And so he says, okay, he entrusted his servants with his property. Verse 15, to one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, each according to his ability, and then he went away. Friends, God has uniquely given to us things. And he's, he's called us in our present situation to steward well. And listen, here's the deal. He doesn't want us to get hung up on um, what our different abilities are and comparing ourselves with other people. Like in this story, there's no difference in the master's heart towards the person who has five talents or the person who has two or one. It's not a ranking system. He doesn't look at the one who has five and goes, there's my special one. And those with only two talents, you know, maybe you can be a little bit more like the guy with five. No, no, no. We're not called to get prideful about being the one who has lots of talents and gifts and ability. And we're also called not to be envious of someone else, someone else's gifting, calling, um, even how generous it looks like the Lord has been in their life. You know, look how well off they are. Friends, we're called 
to be aware of what He has given us and to steward that well. And so Jesus describes an example of someone who did steward this well when He talks about the one who'd been given five. And so this is now in verse 19. So uh, the master returns now and says in verse 19, Now after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who had received the five talents came forward bringing uh, five more talents, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here I've made five talents more. And his master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. Do you hear what he's saying? He says the guy with five, the guy had the most talents, he, Jesus still called it a little. We're not to get hung up in pride over our accomplishments, over what we've obtained. We're to recognize it as a gracious gift from God. The family that I have, the financial resource that I have, the things I'm good at that I do well, um, the area of influence I might have if I'm a respected person in the community, I have people who look up to me. Friends, none of that matters in terms of boosting our own sense of pride and accomplishment. What God's calling us to do is recognize the gift that He has given us and for us to steward it well for His purpose. Take it and use it to expand, to increase His kingdom. Friends, our interactions with the people around us, everything from those closest to us, our spouses, our children, our family members, to even on the edges of our life, our acquaintances, our friends, our neighbors, our coworkers, we have opportunity right here, right now, to be ready to recognize what God has given us and to put it to good use to reach other people. Friends, are, are you personally aware of what God has given you and how you can use that to influence other people's lives? See, this is how we can engage. I, I mentioned earlier, um, you know, He gives us oil, the, His presence, His Spirit. Friends, this is how we can engage with God's activity right now in our lives. We can look at what He's given us and we can say, Holy Spirit, would you come and show me how I can use these things to cooperate with your current activity to touch the lives of other people? How can I be ready to engage in the world around me right here, right now to influence others? See, the last servant, he missed it. The last servant took what he had and his whole goal was just to not lose it, was just to hold on to it. And so he kind of lived this miserly life, just trying to get what he could out of life, hold on to that one thing that he had and not lose it. And he, he, his main issue, his main issue was that he didn't understand who his master was. And therefore he didn't understand what life was really all about. I want you to notice this. This is Matthew 25 verses 24 through 27. Now we come to the guy with one talent. Uh, verse 24, here we go. Um, he also who had received the one talent came forward saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. And the master answered him, 
you wicked and slothful servant. You knew that I reap where I've not sown and gather where I've scattered no seed. Then you ought to have at least invested my money with the bankers at my coming, and I should have received what was my own with interest. He said, listen, even if you're right about me, you didn't use your life right. (laughs) Even if you're misunderstanding of who I am, you still missed the opportunity that was in front of you. You misread me. See, this guy viewed his master as a hard man. But our, our God is not hard. In fact, his whole heart is that we would see what he's given us, we would use it the way he intended, and we would experience joy as a result. When the master showed up to the two good servants, he told them, enter now into my joy. You get to enjoy with me the fruits of your life because you invested your life rightly. See, this this is the entire heart of God is that we would see him for who he really is and that we would have a heart like he does and we'd participate with him in what he's doing here on the earth. And this is what Jesus is talking to when he summarizes all these things. See, he's gone through chapter 24. He's gone through chapter 25. He's told these parables and these stories. He's warned his followers, be ready for my return. Uh, be ready to endure during my delay. And then he, he wraps everything up by saying, when I come back, I'm going to gather everybody together and I'm going to separate like sheep and goats. And, and those who are the sheep, those who are my people, here's how I'm going to, I'm going to summarize everything at the end of time. And so this is now Matthew 25, verses 34 through 40. We're going to close with this. Then the king will say to those on his right, to the ones who belong to him, Come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. I've had something good and wonderful prepared for you from the beginning of time. Come now and inherit it in its fullness. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. Friends, that is God's heart, that we would recognize his heart is for a world that's in need. And his desire is that we would cooperate with him as stewards of the little bit of his kingdom he's given us right here, right now, that we would use it to care for others. See, friends, here's the reality, and here's where we're going to close this morning. The best way for us to heed all of Jesus' warnings here, the best way for us to be ready for his return, the best way for us to avoid losing our way during his delays, the best way for us to be prepared for those things is to watch for and participate in his kingdom activity today. I don't have to be worried about missing his return. 
and I don't have to be worried about getting off track and being led astray when he delays if I'm ready right here, right now to use my life, my resources, all that he's given me to be a blessing to the world around me. Friends, Jesus' called to us on this Palm Sunday is to be ready. Let's prepare our hearts to live that way. Um, next Sunday, we're going to focus very specifically on an, on an Easter message and receiving the life of Christ. And on the other side of Easter, we're going to continue for a few more weeks in this series on the kingdom of God. And from that point forward, our focus is going to be about how we can do this. How can we have our eyes opened and our backs strong? And in spite of all the difficulty around us, how can we live lives cooperating with God and His current kingdom activity to reach other people. That's the mission of Jesus, and that's His call to us as His disciples, to be ready every single day. I love you, my friends. I'm going to pray for us as we close. Let's live this week in readiness. And as we look ahead to Good Friday and to Easter, to celebrating Jesus' sacrifice, to celebrating His resurrection life, Let's have our eyes open to His presence like right now today. Monday morning when I wake up, Jesus, what are you up to here today? And how can I be ready to participate with you in this life? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the message of your kingdom. We thank you that you have spoken clearly to us that we should be prepared we should be prepared to give our lives to you, to invite your presence into our lives so that we are ready for your eventual return, so that we look to you as our Savior, as our Lord, and that we know that you're redeeming our lives and this whole world. God, thank you that you have warned us in advance that life is going to be hard. We're going to struggle. We're going to have our own personal battles. We're going to be able to, to easily be discouraged by what's happening around us. We'll even be tempted to just live lives um, distracted, you know, getting drunk, um, just marrying and, and giving in marriage, and just, just sort of caught up in the cares of this life. God, you warn us that we could do that. We could just put our heads down and ignore that you've called us to endure and trust you, and you've called us to share the good news. And so, God, would you help us to be ready? Be ready not to be taken out. Be ready um, not to lose sight of your coming again one day. And ultimately, God, would you help us to live with our eyes open, to see the gifts that you've given us, and to be ready to be a blessing to the world around us. God, may we be ready to participate in your current activity in this world to share the good news of the hope of Jesus. God, we're relying upon you for that and we're committing our hearts to live connected with you to make a difference in this life. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Love you, my friends. Praying for you this week as we move towards Easter weekend. Let Jesus speak to your heart and life about what he's done for you and what he's up to right here and right now. And may we all live with kingdom purpose in mind, looking for the activity of Jesus and how we can impact the lives of others around us. Love you, friends. We'll see you soon.